Welcome to the podcast of Scott Street MB Church. We hope you find this message inspiring and encouraging in your walk as a disciple of our Lord Jesus Christ. Good morning, church family. It's good to be together today. Thank you, David, for the video. You can see our our footsteps of faith, following the footsteps of faith logo up there. Thank you to the church family for adopting this as our, our yearly theme on our 75th year of following Christ my name is Pastor Rob, and, and I am so blessed to, <clears throat> to serve you and to be here today on this Communion Sunday. Um, we are going to look again at our Mennonite Brethren Confession of Faith and look with fresh eyes at, at something that we, we've done many times. Today we're looking at Communion, the Lord's Supper or the Eucharist, three different names for the same things. Sometimes we do something so many times that we forget what we are doing. Sometimes I'm driving along and I forget that I've had 93.3 on my radio. This is CFBN, 93.3 St. Lawrence Seaway. Bridge 1 is available. Bridge 3A is available next boat in 10 minutes. Have you ever left that on and, and then realized, why am I listening to this? For like 20 minutes, I'm listening to this. <clears throat> we get so used to things that sometimes we, we forget what we're doing. We can't take the Lord's Supper lightly. But it's something that many of us have done many times. How many of us are 75 years of age or older? 75 or older. So one or two of us are 75 years or older. Actually, our statistics would say about, uh, about 50% or more of us are 75 or older. Did you know that if you were brought to church on the first Sunday that you were born, that you worshipped 3,955 times? You've had 3,955 Sundays. So how many times has there been communion in 75 years? 988 communions. Almost a thousand times you've eaten the bread. You've had the cup. It's amazing. So today I want to refresh our understanding of the importance and the meaning of the Lord's Supper. Here's what our Mennonite Brethren Confession says about the Lord's Supper. Thank you, my sweet. You know, I, I'm, I'm fine all morning until I get up in the pulpit and then I, I need a little drink of water. Thank you, sweetie. 31 years and she still brings me a glass of water. Isn't that a gift? Thank you, sweetie. I'm going to take you for lunch. As a church, we observe the Lord's Supper, this is straight from the the Mennonite Confession, as instituted by Christ. The Supper points to Christ, whose body was broken for us, whose blood was shed to assure salvation for believers, and to establish a new covenant. In the Supper, the church identifies with the life of Christ, given for the redemption of humanity, and proclaims the Lord's death until he comes. Is that our understanding? That's that's as articulated by the Mennonite Brethren Confession. That's our understanding. The Supper expresses the fellowship and unity of all believers with Christ. Look Look at the elements. 
That is fellowship and that is unity. Fellowship and unity. It is a supper of great words, a supper of remembrance, celebration, and praise. Look at the elements again. Those beautiful silver trays representing remembrance, celebration, and praise, which strengthens believers for true discipleship and service. This is strength. This is strength. This is not something to be taken lightly. Mennonite brethren have used the word sign to talk about the meaning of the supper. It represents these things, these elements, represent both God's saving action and new covenant in Christ and the recommitment of believers to faithfulness in covenant with God and fellow believers. These things, these plates, these elements represent a recommitment. Every communion we recommit. Is this your understanding? This is, this is our scriptural understanding and it's part of our confession. This is what it is. Here's a little bit more from the confession about the question. It's always interesting. People have different ideas about who can take part in the Lord's Supper. So one of the larger issues around the Lord's Supper is the age of readiness. Are we old enough? Are we ready for communion? When young uh, Christians are old enough to participate in the Lord's Supper, they are those who, it is those who, all of those who have understood what it means. Confess Jesus Christ as Lord in word and deed. Are accountable to their congregation and are living in right relationship with God and others. All of those are people who are invited to participate in the Lord's Supper. Do you understand? Then welcome to the Supper. Do you confess Christ as Lord? Welcome to the Supper. Oh, can we go back, Dave? Are you accountable to the congregation? Are you praying and and a part of this congregation? Is it an important part of your life? Welcome to the Supper. And lastly, are you living in right relationship? Do you need forgiveness today? Yes, you do. Yes, I do. I am ready for communion. The confession puts it this way, that if you've understood, confess, live in right relationship, that you are ready for the Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper, the word means sharing Christ. That's a supper. You... I'd love to have someone come into the church today who's never been in a church, and they'd see these these beautiful silver plates at the front, and they'd say, what's that? We could say, that's the Lord's Supper. It's sharing Christ. We could say, it's communion. It's something we do together. This is not about being alone. This is about us communing together. Lastly, it's called the Eucharist. And you may remember I preached a few weeks ago, Eucharist is a Greek word that means thanksgiving. So this is Thanksgiving. Lord's Supper, Communion, Eucharist. They all mean the same thing. Whatever we call it, it's important to remember why Christ did this, why we do this every month. It's important to remember who he shared the table with the first time he had communion. And it's important to remember the background of communion. Communion. 
So let's go back to the old covenant. There was a meal. Jesus was sitting with his disciples getting ready for something called the Passover. The Passover was a meal that was practiced by the Jews that reminded them of their deliverance from Egypt. They had a meal, and it reminded them of deliverance from Egypt. Does this remind us of deliverance from Egypt? Well, maybe a little bit, but it really reminds us of Christ, who is the fulfillment of the deliverance from Egypt. The Passover meal engages all the senses, as does this. We see something with our eyes. We hear beautiful music. We sing the words communion, forgiveness. We touch. We pass a plate. We feel the bread in the cup. We taste. Something goes into us at communion. We smell. You can smell the, the, the cup as it passes by. All of our senses are engaged in communion, as well as our heart, our mind, and our soul. It's a powerful event, the communion celebration. It's designed to touch every part of our lives. Sometimes we, we kind of feel like the communion is an add-on after a service. It's something we do every month, and we kind of have to do it. No, it's not that. It's so much more than that. Let's go back to the original Passover. So if you remember the story of the Passover, it's pretty extreme. The Lord required each Hebrew family to cover their doorposts and their lintels. So uh, the little piece of wood or stone above the door and the doorposts. They were to cover them with blood. They were to paint the blood of the sacrificial lamb on the doorpost and the lintels. And after they've done that, they were to eat the sacrificed lamb. In a terrible moment of judgment, under the cover of darkness, the Lord would send a deadly plague throughout the land of Egypt in judgment for their oppression and their disobedience. The plague would kill the firstborn. Do you remember this? It's terrible would kill a firstborn male child in every Egyptian family, as well as the firstborn male livestock. So it impacted your family, your life, your world. The only way for the Hebrew family to escape judgment, which was aimed at Egypt, was to do as the Lord commanded, to put the blood of the lamb around the door. So they covered the doorposts. They covered the lentils, lentils with the blood of the lamb. And the, the Lord saw the blood and he did what? He passed over. Passed over them. Resulting in their salvation of their children and their livestock not being killed. This is a powerful redemptive act of God that convinced the Egyptian pharaohs to set these people free. So our Lord's Supper is born out of the Passover meal. There's a background to it. Some people say that the Lord's Supper is a meal for yesterday, today, and forever. Yesterday, looking back at the Passover meal, looking at Christ's life, death, and resurrection. Today, giving thanks and seeking to live obedient, disciplined, glorifying God lives. And forever, looking forward to living and serving Christ in eternity. It's a meal of yesterday, today, and forever. This is one wonderful, mysterious meal, isn't it? It's wonderful. 
So, again, imagine that someone new to our Christian faith would hear me talk about this. I I would expect that they would say, well, why aren't you having a feast? This is so important. Where is all the food and all the drink? And our response would be, we love to eat and drink together. You should have been here for the FASPA. You know, we love, we love having meals together. Christians eat together well. And eating together is part of God's plan for us. We have communion, but we also have FASPA and Christmas meals and Wednesday lunches and Thursday community meals. We love to eat together. But the Lord's Supper is not about food and drink, is it? These are symbols of something much larger. We take a small piece of bread. We take a small cup of juice. And these small things have huge significance. Small things, but with huge significance. When we share the meal together, we proclaim, God reigns in me. And now, and I'm looking forward to his kingdom come. As we share the meal together, we proclaim, he has come, he is here, and he's coming again. This meal is incredible. Yesterday, today, and forever. We take the cup and we take the bread with hope in our hearts and looking forward to an eternity with Christ. When there will be no more sickness, there will be no more pain, no more grief, tears, oppression of all kinds, no more hunger, no more death. That's what we're saying when we're taking communion. We're looking forward to our eternity with Christ. And as we're eating and drinking, in light of the beautiful truth of Christ and his love for us, we're reminded of who we are and the life that God intended for us. What is our life supposed to be like? As we take the bread and the cup today, we are saying, I will live a life of love, of joy, of peace, of patience, of kindness and goodness and gentleness and self-control. We're saying a lot, aren't we? As we take communion. Very powerful meal. The Lord suffers about God changing us. Making us more like him. Including him in our lives. So this meal is more than just symbolic. It is a moment of faith forming. Soul shaping. Life giving mystery. Faith-forming, soul-shaping, life-giving mystery. It's a mystery because though the bread may not actually become the body of Christ, you may have heard the word transubstantiation. And our Catholic friends believe that when the priest prays for the bread and the cup, they become the actual body and blood. That's called transubstantiation. We don't believe that. We don't believe that. But we believe that this is something important. That these, the bread and the cup, they genuinely communicate the spiritual reality of Christ's presence and saving work. The bread is the body. Jesus' body broken for us. It's salvation. The cup represents the blood. Representing forgiveness. And although the wine may not become the actual blood of Christ, it genuinely communicates the spiritual reality of Christ's presence 
and forgiveness. Powerful, powerful symbols. This is communion, that word, communion, because we take it together. And as, as we take it, um, Rodney's going to remind us, as Rodney and I lead communion in just a minute, he's going to say, hold the bread, hold the cup, and we eat together. There's a significance to that. We are eating and drinking together. The communion elements, I love this, enter into us, into our bodies, into our minds and our hearts. It's a mystery because the meal of Jesus is not only present at the table, but Christ is at the table serving us. It's called the Lord's Supper. And he serves us his body and his blood today. Isn't that incredible? It's a mystery. It's also a mystery because the meal in the meal we remember death, his death, so that we may celebrate life. Death, his death to us means life. His blood to us means forgiveness. It's so incredible. As we celebrate with great humility the life he gave, we offer our lives to be used by him now and forever. Amen? So as we take communion this morning, pray. Let us pray. Lord, use us. Use your church. Use your people. Cleanse me. Purify me. Make me whole. And make me dangerous for you. Make me, give me the right words at the right time for the people I work with, for my neighbors, for the person next to me in the pew, for my wife, for my children and grandchildren. Make me yours. Transform me. That's what communion is about. This new covenant meal, eating the bread, drinking the wine of Christ by faith, trusting that what he said is true. Only a Messiah who is both King and Lord of the universe could make such a heavenly, holy meal earthly possible. This is something unique to us as Christians, this sharing of this meal. And my prayer is that through the scripture that we've read and through this message that you may have a renewed love of the Lord's Supper and a renewed understanding of its significance. Amen. Amen. Let's, let's share the Lord's Supper together. Thank you for listening. For any questions about the message or to contact any of our pastors, please visit scottstreetchurch.ca.